Welcome to The Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro, the ultimate angling experience. Hello and welcome to the very first Outlaw Pro. <laughs> you can't start laughing. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Sorry. Well, what are you it's laughing? Oh. oh my God. <laughs> right, okay. Hello and welcome to the first Outlaw Pro Outcast. Uh, my name is Ian Smith and a very odd way of starting a podcast. This is my first and last time of hosting this. Uh, the reason for that is my guest today and the first guest for the Outcast, of course, will be the future presenter of the Outcast. Sounds very complicated, but it'll all make sense future. So... My first guest of the day is somebody um, I value as a very, very good friend. Uh, we've been friends for a long, long time. I'm very proud that he's my friend and also my colleague now. Uh, multiple times world champion. Um, captor of multiple 70-pound fish from different countries. England carp manager for the men's, England carp manager for the women. Reader's Digest favourite. Mr. Rob Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Reader's Digest. Yeah, yeah, that's well, a winner you, for me. You've got to keep it classy yeah. these Come days. Come on, the housewives. You? Yeah, <laughs> you've got to keep it classy. So this is a bit of an unusual one because we find ourselves in a podcast surrounded by microphones, but this is actually something we do most weeks, sitting here with a glass of wine, talking absolute nonsense about fishing and all things uh, carp and all things in life. Well, it, it, yeah, it, it's going to be brilliant as well, because actually it's good for me, because normally I'm in that chair. Actually, actually will be. people on yeah. stages, various different places. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's quite interesting for me to be sat in this one for once. That's and right, I'm yeah. being interviewed. I don't know what to say. That's right, yeah. right. Well, look, I, I've, got, I've got a few questions. Um as I say, this this will be unusual because what I try to do is really think of questions that I didn't know about you. I thought, because we generally talk about worky stuff and fishing stuff and, and family and kids and all that business. But I thought, right, what, what, what do I want to really ask him? Because it might be the uh, same questions as our viewers want to ask it as well. But So anyway, um, let's get started. Uh, first of all, we're both in the fishing tackle industry and everybody thinks when you get into the fishing tackle industry, you're going to go fishing all the time. And actually it's completely the opposite. Now, my reasons for not going fishing as much the last three years are different from yours because you're so, so busy. But fortunately now, that's changed for you. Yes, hopefully. So where are you fishing now? You're back in the saddle good style well, fishing. Yeah. Um, at the moment, I'm a bit of a nomad because obviously with the TV <laughs> yeah. series, yeah, of course. I have to fish for everything. Yep. You know, make no mistake, I'm a carp angler through and through. Yeah. And me and my co-presenter have a little bit of banter. Andy yeah. Ford, he's a fluff chucker. So he <laughs> spends half of his time pulling his flies out of trees rather yeah, than yeah, catching yeah. fish with them. Uh, but we have a bit of banter with each other that, you know, he yeah. says I'm camping all the time. I say that he's chucking yeah. up trees. But we both fish for a little bit of everything. So of my eye has been drawn away away from carp just through tv yeah but i'm still a carp angler at heart yeah and it, it's been really really busy over the last few years you know we've all yeah. had our lives turned upside down with with, with covid yeah, let's just park yeah. covid now because everybody's fed up of of the covid excuse for everything yeah um and you know i'm eyeing carp again now i've not had a chance to go carp fishing seriously for a long time but i'm definitely back in the saddle where am i fishing at the moment, I haven't got a syndicate. Yeah. I'm fishing a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit everywhere. Um, I love getting bites. Yep. That's one of the key things. You know, the, the, the tug is the drug, as they say. Yeah, of course. And when, when you get a bite, it's always <laughs> yeah, yeah. careful. I've heard it often. Careful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, have you got anything? Uh, well, you say you, you like getting a bite. I'm the same. I, th I don't think we can spend enough time on the bank for 72, 48 hours, you know, a week, every single week, searching for that elusive fish. But... Is there is there like a fish or a campaign as like a, an old style hardcore carp angler where you think do you know what I just I'd love to fish oh, for that fish I'd love to fish that venue or you know what not not necessarily one fish although there's fish I admire yeah, yeah. but the 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 problem is because I've been so busy over the years yep. unfortunately 
I have to park that thought. Of you course. know, there's going to be a lot of people watching this that are thinking the same. We'd love to be able to do that. Yeah. But unfortunately, your life dictates where you go and often how yeah. you go fishing. Yeah, of course. And, and if you've only got four hours in a week to go, then you have to tailor it to that. It's as simple as uh, that. Absolutely, you know, yeah. We, we, I'm, a, I'm a realist. I'd love to yeah. go fishing three, four, five days a week, but I yeah. can't. Yeah, no, no, it's fair. But, uh, you, you know, you, you've, you've had so many uh, memorable captures over the years. I mean, yeah, as, as I, you know, alluded to earlier, joking aside, you know, you were the first person ever to catch, you know, multiple 70 pounders from different countries. Yes. I mean, for somebody like me, that's like a lifetime's worth of work and something that even probably now I know I'll probably never ascertain. You're still relatively young. What oh, was it like? <laughs> relatively I say relatively. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, where do you see, you know, how, what was it like to catch them, to know you set a, a benchmark for, for all carp anglers in the UK going well, forward, if that's what they're aiming for, of course. Well, be benchmarks always change, don't they? You know, if you, if yeah. you think back in the day, we wanted to catch a 30-pounder. Yeah. Prior to that, a 20-pounder was a big fish. Nowadays, people might think a 40 or a 50 is big. Mm. I, I've been an international angler for many, many years. I first went abroad in 1987. Yeah. So, you know, that's a long, long time. And back then, there weren't commercial French lakes, so we would go yeah. to public French lakes where the fish were slightly bigger. Yeah. And the Holy Grail used to be what was known in French as a tront. And a tront is 30. That's a 30-kilo 30 fish. Right, okay. 66-pound. Yeah. So that was the mark... Yeah. That if you were to achieve superstar status, yeah. then you'd catch a 30 kilo fish, 66 pounds. Yeah. So I'd always wanted to catch one of those. Right. Now, Rainbow Lakes came on the scene and I went to Rainbow very early on in its its formative years. As I've done with a lot of venues, you know, we can touch on these later on. But mm. if you hear a venue is up and coming, get there early. Yeah. Always a really, really good choice. Get there early because you'll make the most of it. And then what happens is they peak very quickly, drop, yeah. and then come back again. Yeah. So get there early. Went to Rainbow early, uh, and I was lucky enough very quickly. I think it was my second ever trip to catch the biggest fish in Rainbow, seventy-five pound fourteen. Yeah, the fight was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. You know, you think, wow, seventy-five pound fish. Yeah. I was fishing in a swim that got. They've got the big W bars, they call them. So it's really, really steep. And eleven, twelve. Uh, I think it was twelve. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I forget yeah. the names of them. It's not the one on the corner. It's the, the you've it got the 11. black beach. And yeah, then yeah, the next yeah. One eleven. To yeah, yeah. So I was fishing there. And it, it, you know, it was before Big Fish Thursday yeah. was discovered. Yeah. But Thursday was still a really good day. Yeah. Unfortunately, me being me, I didn't turn up till the Sunday. I had to disappear <laughs> on the Thursday night. Yeah. Really busy. Didn't yeah. get a full week. Yeah. Uh, I'd had a couple of fish. I had a fifty out already, so I was chuffed. Yeah. And we're fishing tips up, and little poly balls on the line to get the line up over the top of the Ball, bars. Yeah. And there's been a little rattle on the ball, so yeah. we've seen it vibrate like the old. Um, Jurassic Park vibration. So <laughs> yeah. the balls vibrated. Like, we're spending ages yeah. watching these little green balls on the yeah. surface. Little vibration. Yeah. And the tips nodded one single bleep. And I was in with uh, Jason Colenza, my mate. It's like, right, yeah. might be a fish on there. Let's yeah. let's get into it. So got in a boat and we knew we were never going to drag the fish over the top. That's right. Yeah. So literally yeah. jumped in the boat, reeled up the slack. I'm now about yeah. 12 foot over the fish. Yeah. I've gone, ready? He's gone, yeah. He's over the side of the boat. Bang! A bit into it. It's just like a big thunk. And in my mind now, I'm thinking, right, this is going to be a big scrap. And whatever it is that was yeah. attached down below is obviously thought, what the? Getting on it? Because it's just going, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've hit it, yeah. pumped it. It's come straight to the surface. Yeah. It's about as big as this silver thing. It yeah. is huge, this yeah. fish. Yeah. And Jace has just gone, whack. Yeah. And then suddenly we're like, is that it? And we've looked at it. Yeah. And I reckon the fight was... 
If I was to give it between five and ten seconds, that would yeah, be well, literally that. £75.14. That's, that's crazy, so, isn't it? You know, amazing fish. Flip the coin, the second 70, which was from Germany. Yeah. Nobody caught 70 yeah. from two different countries then. The second 70 yeah. couldn't be any further from yeah. that fight. No boat, playing it from the bank. Yeah. Up against the snags, single beep, hit into it, walking back. Again, I was with Jace Galenzo. He's, he's obviously my lucky talisman. In fact, pattern spotting. Jace, Jace, you're over there. We're going fishing again, mate. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's two very good yeah, fish. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, we need to go out there. <laughs> so anyway, the 70 pound common, hit it, pulled it away from the snags. Yeah. And then it's just felt like I am playing in yeah. a branch. It's been really, really heavy. Yeah. It's dark, head torches on. 15 odd foot deep. I'll tell you what it was actually while we're thinking about it. You know, there's a lot of publicity about Germany at the moment and, and oh, Daryl's been the over. The next big thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah the next yeah, big thing. Yeah. Sorry guys, yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and that was the common that they were trying to catch. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I was so the common you caught 10 years ago is the one that they're trying to catch, yeah, yeah. which is, yeah, the next I big think, upcoming thing, yeah. I think I'm the only Englishman to catch it because I know no a few way. people have been over to try and catch it. Um, so how did you, so let's say Rainbow and that German, German lake. Yeah. Yes. How did you find out about this um, years and years ago? Oh, it's just, if you know, like Reduta. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. let's go back to Reduta yeah. as a prime example. Um, and Reduta comes back from, well, even earlier times, Crowey, Simon Crow, obviously, best mate, yeah. known him years and years yeah. and years, used to work at Carp Talk, and information used to come back and yeah. to. So we were mates with a guy called Kurt Grabmeyer that owned a shop in Austria. Yeah. Lovely fella. Unfortunately, you know, God bless him, he's, he's dead yeah. now. But he had a shop in, in Vienna and that was the gateway to Eastern Europe. Nobody knew anything about Eastern Europe then. Mm. And bear in mind, I'm going back 15 odd years. You know, prime example, we were told about Shumbar through um, a Russian mate that we knew from Cassian. Uh, so Briggsy and I went out to Shumbar, which is now the big thing that yeah. everyone's going to. Yeah. I remember seeing somebody saying they were pioneering in Croatia and they were going out to <laughs> Shumbar. Right. Like, blimey. Um, <laughs> yeah. Me and Briggsy were fishing it when he did his first 40 pounder. So, you know, that's how long ago and it's doing 80s now. I was going to so say, no, you go for 80 pounds. Fished it years and years and years ago. Yeah. Um, but Kurt Grabmeyer, we met him, Yeah. friends. He said, look, somebody, I've got a mate who's a taxidermist Yeah. and somebody has just turned up in the shop with a carp that's as big as the world record. Now you can imagine no, me like, blimey. He said, we're going, do you fancy coming? Yep, we're coming. So that was when me, Crowey, Rod Hutchinson, Mally Roberts and Kev Clifford all went over to Romania yep. for the first ever time to, you know, on this great carp adventure, yeah. trying to catch these big fish. Yeah. It was incredible. And I, th I think it was with Rob Marsh. I think, I think it was Rob Marsh. I saw him, I saw him, he, he was doing an interview with somebody. I'm absolutely sure it was Rob Marsh. It was, and uh, he was standing in, in, in a lake with the. And the thing is, is when you talk about pioneering of time and how technology is now, he was saying that um, he caught this unbelievable fish. So he got him and his mate, or he may have even gone on his own. He's gone yeah. right. We'll all split up, and he's gone down this arm, and I'm sure it was Reduta, yeah. yeah. And, he, and he'd gone down this arm, caught this epic fish, and seen his mate for two days. What's yeah. it? And then he'd had to get in his car and go and find a phone box. Yeah. Because mobiles weren't even about then. No, no. no that's you it. know, phone the phone box to try and get hold of somebody's message, to try and get hold of him who's now in a cafe somewhere. You're thinking, yeah. that's unbelievable. That, no, that's pioneering. Well, old school stuff, obviously, is very different from new school stuff because everything, that, like the communication that we had in those yeah. days was completely different. That's it right. was all about who you know. Now, 
everything's on social media all the time. Everybody's is. making yeah. up stories about how yeah. great they are. Yeah. On the basis of a very brief snapshot. But back then it was, you know, yeah. it was very, very different. In so, real time. You don't get to know about catches no. on Rainbow in three weeks' time. They're telling you by the hour what exactly. to catch it. Yeah. 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 So, you know, yeah. it was it was hugely different. But we we went out to Reduta. Yeah. Uh, and and it very quickly became the epicenter of the cart yeah. world. Like prior to that, it was Cassie and everyone used to go of course. to. Yeah. But Reduta was the epicenter. Yeah. Uh, and myself and Simon Crow, you know, we, we we used to fish it quite a lot. We used to run trips there. Yeah. So as a result, we made friends with so many people from so many different nations. Yeah. Because everybody descended on there. And of course, you know, everybody wants to catch the big fish. Yeah. But equally, everybody's happy when someone else catches a big fish. Yeah. That was one of the great things about the old school days. Yeah. You know, it was, there wasn't as much... Um, I'm going to sound like an old fart now, and yeah. um, if anybody's a member of the old school carp anglers, you know the old farts in <laughs> <from> there. <laughs> There's always a topic comes up. What do you hate about modern day carp fishing? Yeah. Oh, great, it was old day. You know what? It is what it is. Yeah. Forget all that. The best day of your life is today. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow might not come, and yesterday's already gone. So just enjoy today and get fishing. And um, anyway, loads of different people there at, at some um, uh, in Reduta. Yeah. And we met this guy called Jürgen Becker. Who was one of the top German anglers out there? Yeah, and it's actually Jürgen's Lake that uh, that that. Oh right. He's he's got this. Uh, he's got the rights to the lake where the where the big common is. Right. Uh, and he wouldn't let anybody fish it, but obviously um, Jason and I knew Jürgen very well, uh, yeah. and he said, "Look, if you fancy coming over." So we were the first English guys to fish over there, and typically, rather luckily, I spawned out the the big fish on my first visit over there. No but way. just going back to the story about the fights being different, you know, got the torch on. And suddenly this thing has appeared. Yeah. And it is as big as anything I've ever seen yeah. before. We knew there was a big common in there, but it was just massive. People talk about long commons. Yeah. I should have taken the measurements. It was well over a meter long. Yeah. You know, probably 120. And that's a big claim. Yeah. But it was probably that big. You know, yeah. the, the, we'll stick some photographs up. You can see what yeah. it's like. It was huge, this yeah. fish. And I've gone to try and net it. Jürgen's with me. And he's gone, I'll net it for you. And he's had about 60,000 Jaeger bombs because he likes to sniff <laughs> of, uh, of, of the old drink. So we've had a bit of a celebration. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Jürgen's staggering around with his net. And the, the fish comes up to the surface. And literally, I've almost had to pull it yeah. to the spreader block yeah. and up the spreader block to its yeah. gill plate. And the tail's still hanging over the end. It's a huge fish. Yeah. But what a carp. What a carp. And a proper carp as a, well, A proper carp, yeah. Do, do you know what? It's quite funny about the story about that because I didn't know where you caught that first one from Rainbow Frog. Right. And it was my first trip with my pal Jamie yeah. that, where we went and we were on the same boat. And it was when you said the W sort of thing. And it's amazing because you take your boat out and, you, you know, you, you, you're in 20 foot of water, 20 foot of water, then yeah. it's bang, then, then your engine yeah, the props caught. Then back in 20 foot of water. And um, he caught his personal best on our first trip. And he had really? a 72-pound, I mean, if anybody's watching his fish rain, it's a, it's a two-tone mirror. And... I'd caught a, a low 60 before. Jim had caught a mid 50 before. But when this thing comes to the surface, I've never seen anything like different it. Different animals, aren't it, they? It's it just, it, it didn't. It, I, 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 so the only time I've ever seen something different is where I caught a five pound perch. You've caught six yes. pound perch. Yeah. Say that uh, again. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just in case you hadn't told anybody. <laughs> and they just look completely different from what their smaller sort of siblings are they're well, just incredible I, I have a saying about these things and I, I, I love opposites so um, little versions of big things are beautiful yeah, yeah and yeah. big versions of little things are beautiful yeah. you know if you look at a grayling it's a really nice fish but when you see a big grayling it, yeah, or absolutely. a big perch or heaven forbid a big bream yeah 
you know, when you look at big versions, they're, like, they're different animals to the smaller versions of themselves. Yeah. And equally, when you get a big creature like a carp, yeah. when you see a little version of it, they're beautiful. Yeah. Aren't they? Yeah, so they are. Yeah. I, yeah. I always like a, a big crucian as well. Hey, let me yeah. tell you, I don't know if I've ever told you this. Yeah. And um, we were talking the other day about um, potentially carp being cannibals, yes. cannibalistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And... Um, and I always remember this. We fished a lake uh, in Utoxta called Crate Marsh, and you used to fish it with your top, top three sections of your pole or your whip or whatever, and you used to catch these pound and three quarter, two pound every time. And, and I always remember because that sort of fishing, unlike uh, Ed Matthews' place now, they just, yeah. there's hardly Not many around. And, uh, and I caught the, and, and the, the hook had actually gone into the, the mouth quite a bit, which is unusual for a carp or a Christian yeah. carp to catch. And I remembered it, and I'd always got this fish like this. And I've got the disgorger, and as I hooked it, it spat out, as big as my thumbnail, a perfect live mirror carp. Yes. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. Do you know when you think, and, and it just literally jumped out, and it went back in the water. I thought, yeah. has, that, has it just happened? Lucky Do you know what bugger. I mean? And it was <laughs> like, yeah, I wish it'd sit in that room. And it was like absolutely perfect. But anyway, not to digress. Going, going back, because you, you, you brought up a lake there that um, was my first proper jaunt adventure type uh, over, to, over to France. That was yeah. Cassian. Cassian oh, what a place. And uh, that, I think, was... I think that the first major pioneering water in, in France where you yes. would actually go over to, well, not the tunnel, you where you go over on the ferry and it was the adventure. It yeah. was the complete unknown, but the potential to catch enormous fish in unbelievably savage conditions sometimes. Yeah. I always remember seeing, and, uh, and I think it was Cart Talk, again, going back to uh, uh, Clifford's old, old uh, magazine, is, is, is Kevin Alice's. Yes. Picture. And, you know, to even see that picture now, you know, it, 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 it says shivers down your spine to think that uh, the guy, you know, of how he was young, so, so young then, to, to, to have this 70 pound fish, you know, with yeah. his arms wrapped around it like this, you know, with glasses on. It was, it was just such an iconic picture. Yes. And then uh, I always remember. Um, Ma uh, oh God, Max, Max, um, Max Cottis. Max Cottis. Yeah. He says he was that excited when he caught his big one from there. He, he rolled up the landing net and said, what's I doing? And he picked it up and just put it on his bed chair. Yeah. <laughs> he just put it on his wet bed chair and he says everything was soaking wet. But what was that like for you the first time you saw that lake? Oh, it's, it's just incredible. Everybody does the same thing when you drive down there. Yeah. You know, you, you say about Kevin Ellis's fish, that was a really famous fish. Yeah. The thing that absolutely got me into, into fishing overseas yeah. was the picture of Rod Hutchinson. It's the, they call it the Lilo picture. Uh, and he's there at Cassian with a 56-pounder, and there's a red Lilo underneath him. I don't know if you know the, the picture. Do, but he yeah, hadn't yeah, got yeah. an unhooking mat. Yeah. He got the Lilo. And that's what made me go overseas. I was a mad keen, carp-starved 16-year-old living in Shropshire. There wasn't many fish around no, up no, there. No. It was very, very secret area. You know, you didn't talk about Shropshire. You know, you Cheshire lot. <laughs> we didn't like you lot. We no, no, we'll no, talk to you now, no, but I wouldn't have right. talked to you back then. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind coming to fishy waters, but you're not coming to fish right, That's right. So, you know, it was real wars around there, around Shropshire. So everybody was dead quiet about what was going on. And we didn't used to catch much because, you know, they were old, low-stock, right, natural yeah. mares. It was hard to yeah. catch fish up there. So as a 16-year-old, as a I was mad into carp. As a 17-year-old, this is 1986, so I'm giving me age yeah, away yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Rod caught that fish, and I remember seeing it and thinking, as soon as I can drive, yeah. I'm going there. Yeah. Didn't know where there was. Just thought, I'm going there. Where he's caught that fish, I'm going there. So I passed my test, and in 1988, I packed my XR3i, no and I went way. to France. So you were 18? So I was 18 when I went to France for the first time. Did not know where I was going. Got on a ferry, 
went over no the sat fence. nav no sat, no sat nav, nav nothing, no, no, nothing. No, and that's that's over a thousand miles from where we live I didn't get a Cassian <laughs> <laughs> right okay the reason I didn't get a Cassian because I got I, I thought right I'm having a bit of that and then I bought a map of France because I knew France oh, was right. shaped like that yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I didn't know where Cassian was yeah. and then I found out where Cassian was yeah and thought, I've only had my driving licence about yeah. three months. Yeah. Driving abroad, my mum was panicking like mad, let yeah. alone, you know, I'm yeah. going all the way to the south of France. So we found out that Rod Hutchinson had been fishing somewhere else up in the north right. called Boulay, that was nicknamed Cannonball Lake at the time. Yeah. So we found out where this Cannonball Lake was. So I went there instead because I couldn't bottle the drive yeah. all the way down. So it wasn't until the mid-90s that I went to Cassian. That was my first trip down there. But uh, yeah, so the, the, the 1980s trip was yeah. in the north. But it, it was super, because what we ended up doing there was I, I bumped into a French guy. Yeah. And, you know, there weren't many carp anglers in France in the late 80s. No. So I've gone around a corner and seen a bloke lying in a, in a garden deck chair underneath a tree with a couple of carp rods out. Yeah. And sort of started chatting. I, I could speak a bit of pigeon French. Yeah. Uh, and we started chatting. He was really friendly. He couldn't get any kit. I gave him some kit. Lo and behold, he's told me about some venues. And that was it. Yeah, right. So... He told me about Lac de Dare, Chanticoque, before it was discovered because him and his pioneering mates were the ones that pioneered Shanty. And the one regret that I've got in my fishing life was I didn't go there before the story blew on it. Yeah. So yeah. I knew about that and they asked me to go in the September yeah. and I'd already booked my crossing to go over because me and Crowey were fishing down in the Loire Valley right. uh, and fishing the rivers around the Mayenne, the Mayenne, yeah. the Sarthe, Angers, those sort of places. Yeah. So I said, look, we've booked to go that way so rather than Dover Calais because if you know France where we were fishing was very much on the west coast and, yeah. and shanties on the east yeah, cool. uh, so I said we can't really do that going over there but I'll come the next spring yeah. of course by then it had blown uh, we went over there and there were so many people on it it was really disheartening yeah. so after that I thought you know what as soon as I hear about somewhere I'll go there you're listening to The Outcast the podcast from Outlaw Pro the ultimate angling experience it's such a big country, France, isn't it? It's strange you should. Do you, do you know Paul Armfield? Who yes. Runs, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, well, first time I went to Cassian, uh, he said, because he'd been loads of times, he'd been, strangely enough, I didn't know, I don't even know if you realise this, right? Do you know what's on the front cover of the first ever Carp Talk magazine? Yes, Keith Selick. This one's for Keith, wasn't it? The, the, it's a, it's a, it's a, a fish from Cassian. Fish from Cassian. And on the photo is Keith. Yeah. Paul Armfield yeah. and Rob Hales in a boat. And Max Scottis as well, wasn't he? Oh, I'm not sure about Max Scottis. I'm not sure about Max right, Scottis. Okay. But, but, I did, but anyway, so it got, so the, the first time I yes. went to Cassian was with Paul Armfield. Oh, right, okay. And he just moved over to France. He was living in France. Yeah, he yeah. says, come here over here. Just fly over. I've got all the gear here. No problem. We'll take care of it. I'm thinking, oh, it's brilliant. I've, I've got... Again, like you, never even thought of checking where this place is. Yeah. So I've flown over to Roche. He's picked me up in this um, transit van that should have been condemned 20 years after he picked me up in it. I'm not joking you. So we got in this van. All the stuff's packed. Let's just get in, bring your suitcase, put it in. Oh, thanks very much. I get in. Six hours later, I'm going, Paul, where is, is it? Where is this lake? Yeah. you gone... Another three or four hours, he says, we'll be there, no problem at all. I'm thinking, oh, my <laughs> God. And it just flown to Nice, if I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It was, it, yeah, it's such a big place. A you know. Yeah, and, and if you think of where we're going now to Croatia and Hungary and yeah. all them sort of places. It's, well, cars it's, are better and roads are better now, aren't they? Yeah, they yeah of course they are. But Cassian was another one, actually, that was really kind to me. Yeah. Um, so I was, uh, I'll say, quite lucky on there. I, I'd like to think that... Um, 
there was a there was a good bit of angling put into this one, but yeah. I, I caught the biggest fish in Cassian. Uh, at the time oh, as well, wow. a fish called Bernadette that was the equivalent of the Black Mirror. Yep. You know, everybody wanted to catch Bernadette. It was one of the old originals. Uh, yep. If anybody went there in the olden days, you'll know about Pierre's restaurant. You'll know about Gerard's restaurant. You know about all the pictures on there. And there were some old original Cassian fish. And bit by bit, they were dying off. And Bernadette yeah. was one of the last ones. Yeah. And everybody wanted to catch Bernadette. And I, I was lucky enough to catch her as well. there was another one called Fleur. That was it. Fleur was another one. I, I saw, yeah. I saw, Australia, I'm going back to Paul Armfield. He's got a picture of Fleur uh, with him and Fleur up in his Lovely. kitchen. Just the most incredible fish. I mean, yeah. truly wild fish, but so beautiful. Hugely historic, those fish, you know, and, and Cassian as well. Cassian sort of, it, it's in and out of vogue all the time. It's always there, but it's in and out of vogue yeah. all the time, depending on which company is going out and making a film about how cool they are yeah. over there. So, you know, it, it's a yeah. it's a, it's a, a wonderful place. There's loads of really good yeah. fish. So any fish from there is a, is a good result. Yeah. But those old historic fish and also what Cassian was in the history, you know, you, you, you put Cassian in, Really, that was what made global carp fishing. You then put Reduta in yeah. when the world spun a couple of times and Reduta then turned into the global epicenter and that brought in Eastern Europe into, into carp fishing. Yeah. And then you put in, um, I'd say Rainbow Lake was the next one that was really the global epicenter where everybody from all the countries wanted to go there. Mm. And what, what Rainbow did was that elevated the size of fish and it also brought all more and more countries together again. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got the likes of um, love it or loathe it, you've got Euroaqua, which draws a lot of people, got some huge fish raising benchmarks there. You've got Shumbar. You know, Shumbar's very much a hole in the ground stuffed full of a load of big fish. That's that's all Shumbar is. It's not a particularly technical venue. Yeah. Um, it's not a particularly natural venue. It's a man-made gravel pit. Uh, but, you know, it's 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 got some exceptionally big fish in it. Yeah. So there's a lot of adventures out there. So you are a former world individual champion. Yeah? Yes. Your, did, did your international fishing get you into that? How do you become a world champion? Um, well, it, I was definitely doing a lot of international fishing before uh, I, I was appointed or, or called up for fishing for Team England. Yeah. Um, again, it was a little bit really with, with the first one. It was out at Fishable in France in 1996, again, fishing with Simon Crow. Yeah. Uh, the owner of the lake wanted to put on a big event there, got Phipps involved. It was then the first ever World Championship, so it was a really, really big occasion. Yeah. You know, I, I can't tell you how big it was. The spectators, there were thousands of them. There, I, no way. I, I can't remember exactly. I think the estimate was there were 40,000 spectators over five days. It was, it was unreal. Yeah. You know, some of the little stories behind it where we were in a pegged area on the north bank and there's not a lot of room behind you, so we were taped off. We weren't allowed off the area, but we had to leave a channel for people to walk past. Yeah. But if people were crowded behind us, we couldn't cast. We didn't have enough drop. So when we wanted to cast out, security would actually have to stop people to make a little gap. Yeah, it was like the golf. Yeah. You know, when yeah, you watch yeah, the golf yeah. and there are literally yeah. five, six, seven deep around tees. Yeah. It was like that. As a fishing event, it was yeah. absolutely crazy. Yeah. It's sponsored by Ferrari. You know, there were <laughs> helicopters in. There were all sorts of things. Yeah. It was yeah. just amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we went on to win that. Yeah. And really that was a... I suppose that was a big springboard for, for myself and Simon. You know, me, me and Simon, we bumped into each other in Wolverhampton in 1990. I went into the tackle shop. He was working as the Wednesday boy in there. He was studying at the time. I was training to be a lawyer. Uh, I moved to Wolverhampton, didn't know anybody or anything anywhere. So lunchtime, where'd you go? Well, yeah. tackle shop for a natter. Yeah. So I bumped into Crowey there. We made friends, joined the same syndicate as him. And that was it. You know, that, yeah. that, that sort of 
you know when you meet somebody you just get on with them yeah absolutely that, yeah that was it i just got on with him yeah. we were on the same way same wavelength i think everybody gets on with crowy they don't he? i fish a lot with him on western he's just he's just you can just easy to get on he's, with he, isn't he? He, yeah it he, he can be a grumpy old bugger yeah. sometimes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right yeah no no, no, no he's just Absolutely loving to bits. We're forever ribbing each other. If uh, if I go on a podcast that he's not on, then I'll give him a bit. And if, yeah. if he's on one that oh, we're very invited, though, aren't we? Let's be fair. Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, okay. uh, right to reply. So, so you, you, moving on from your own accolades as an individual, and you then became, or well, recently, more in recent time, you, you're the England cart manager. Not, not only yes. the cart manager for the men and for the women, you oversee both. Well, teams. there wasn't a women's event um, when, when I started. So, first of all. Um, you know, just being picked to represent your country is is a, an enormous honour. You know, a yeah. huge honour. And I remember uh, out in in the nineties, just standing there with a flag on my chest, thinking, "Wow, you know, this is it." And, yeah. And winning it, I've just, I've just had a. That's oh, the chair. Oh, really? That's the chair. Not yeah. that's not me. If Goosebumps you heard that again. Noise. Yeah. Goosebumps and the, the the hairs on my arms have just lifted up like genuine. I don't know if you can pick it up on camera, but I, I get it all the time. I'm I'm so emotional when it yeah. comes to doing that. You know, yeah. the the representing your country is just something that you dream of you yeah. know if you're a footballer then you'd love to pull on a shirt yeah. you'd like to play at Wembley or you'd love to pull yeah. on a shirt and represent England yeah. you know and I'm sure it's the same for every other sport and it doesn't matter whether it's tiddlywinks yeah. or football or rugby or cricket or horse riding or whatever it is when you've got your national colours on yeah. there's nothing like it no. and and to actually compete for your country because there's one being selected and then there's competing because you might not actually compete you might only be part of the you know the squad yeah competing is another then starting is another then actually winning is yet another level again and you know i say to all of the guys and girls in cartoon england that it's an incredible thing that you're doing enjoy every minute of it remember every minute of it because you are actually making history yeah. and, and making history is a funny thing because you you don't realize how historic it is until a little bit later because you're yeah, in the moment, it's so reflection. it's not history. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But everybody that pulls on a shirt is actually a huge part of history because this is the England squad going out and we may win. And if we do, that's a huge historic thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, hearing the national anthem at the beginning of the event is is phenomenal yeah. because it fills you with such a sense of pride. You know, I'm nearly in tears and my shirt's bursting. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And there's only one thing better yeah. than hearing the yeah. national anthem at the beginning of the event yes. and that's hearing it at the end of yeah. the event because yeah, when you hear it at the end of the event you've won it yeah uh, and i've been lucky enough to do that twice you yeah. know uh, both as an individual and also uh, you know managing the team but yeah. to be when when dick clegg rang me and he said look we're looking for a new england manager would you consider it that was a huge honor as well because so what was dick clegg then at that time well dick dick clegg obe is just an absolute legend yeah. you know he he is in charge of or was in charge before he retired of the England national squads, oh, okay. all okay. of them, be they carp, course, whatever. So he yeah. was the head of England. Yeah. Uh, so effectively, um, the head of the FA, right. uh, as it were. Is that before the Angling Trust took it over? Then? It was. It was no. The Angling Trust are still there, but they have a competitions department. I got you. And okay. also uh, looking at, looking at the way the, the the groups work, FIFA. And let's use football equivalents. FIFA is FIPS. FIPS is the Federation International Pesh Sportive, the International Sport Fishing Federation. Yeah. So that's FIFA. Yeah. And the Angling Trust are FA. I've got you. So the FA yeah. come under FIFA. Yeah. And the head of the FA, as far as competitions was concerned, was Dick Clegg, who was yeah. also part of FIFA as well. Yeah. So he said, look, would you be would you be manager? 
I said, my colleague, you know, of, of course I would. That would be a huge honor. You can call him and say no, and Dick Clegg's actually yeah, no. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And 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 so so then to step up and manage the team, and you know, it, it's fair to say that our reputation wasn't brilliant at that stage for various different reasons that I'd right. rather not go into. But yeah. our reputation at that time wasn't exactly brilliant. Right. Uh, we hadn't done particularly well for a while. We dropped down the rankings. Um, and my my first ambition was just to try and bring a little bit of respect and dignity back yeah. to England and show that we can compete. Yeah. And that was the main aim for it. Yeah. So it was a complete slate clear. Yeah. Let's start again from scratch, building a squad from nothing. Yeah. Uh, and then putting the guys together. It was out in Spain, that first event. And, you know, we we went into that event aiming, obviously, to be competitive, hoping to win, but with a fairly solid game plan. And it was a case of finding out your game plan, working out what the patterns are, working out how they work, yeah. working out how we can catch fish. Because remember... It's easy to catch fish. Winning a competition isn't about catching fish. Winning a competition is about catching more fish than anyone else. So as a result, you've got to be more efficient. Me and you, we can both catch fish. Mm. But I've got to be fitter, faster, stronger. I've got to last longer. I've got to know exactly how I can catch those fish. Mm. And if I can catch two for every one that you catch, chances are I'm going to beat you. Yeah. You know, you might be lucky to beat me because you might catch bigger ones. Yeah. But if I can get the bites quicker and get those fish in quicker, I'm going to beat you. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. So... So it's not about catching fish. It's yeah. about catching fish quicker than everyone else. Yeah. So what you then have to do is, this is where the, 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 the management game comes in, is that I'm not just looking at what my boys are doing. In fact, I'm hardly looking at what my boys are doing. I'm more looking at what everyone else is doing yeah. because I want to see how they're playing their game. Yeah. You're comfortable with what your guys are doing. We know what our game plan yeah. is. Yeah. And as long as we're playing to plan yeah. and it's doing what it should be, yeah. then I'm happy with that. Because yeah. we know what our targets are. But the problem with the competition is that you don't know how good the opponent is until the game starts. You know? Right. Also, in football, you're playing head-to-head -head against each other. Yeah. But in this, you're not. It's like a horse race where you're running alongside each other. Yeah. And I don't know how fit the other horses are, how fast the other horses are, or how the jockey has got his strategy in place. All I know is he's got yeah. a good form. And if there's a good horse with a good jockey on him, yeah. the chances are we're going to have a row. Yeah. So I need to make sure that my boys are faster, fitter, lighter. And you've only got to look at the shape of the team now physically. People think... Unbelievable. You know, yeah. oh, oh, what, you know, oh, it doesn't come into it. All right, then, mate, come out with yeah. me for 72 hours and we'll see if you can last. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the difference because it's, it's like David Brailsford with, with England Cycling. Big influence for me looking at coaching because he was talking about marginal gains. Yes. And if you can get 1% with your fitness... And if you can get 1% with your timing and you can get 1% with your hand speed, if you've got 10 of those, you've got 10%. Yep. Now, the margin in fishing is the same. And the margin in any any sport, you look at any top-level sport, yeah. the margin between first and second yeah. is normally tiny. Golf, you're into your golf. Mm. God knows why. You like to whack a Wheel ball around the field. Yeah. Fair yeah. play. Yeah. But if you look at that, you know they play four rounds, yep. 72 par. Yeah. That's what, 440, 288 shots. Yeah. So Tiger Woods plays Colin Montgomery, if yeah. those are two golfers. Yeah. They are, aren't they? Yeah, they yeah, play at the same all, time. Yeah, God. Yeah. And one beats the other by one shot. Yeah. Over 288 shots. Yeah. And it's a one-shot margin. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Timing on Formula 1s, racing, exactly yeah. the same. It can be a tenth of a second. Fishing's yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. You know, when you look at it, somebody might beat someone else by five kilos. That yeah. might be one point in a section and it's the one yeah. point difference that makes the win. So all of these little marginal gains really, really matter. Yeah. It's why we have to have such a precise game plan 
going in and get as much information fed in as we possibly can. Yeah. So match fishing is a completely different game. It's almost not fishing, to be fair. Oh, right. It's like more or less a, a process that you, you go through. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the World Championships in particular, you know, it, it, there are three different matches because yeah. there's three sections. Yeah. So section A, section B, section C. Every nation has a pair yeah. in each section. And the idea is that you need to win your section. Right. If you win your section, you get one point, point. second two, et cetera, et cetera. So what you do at the end of the match is you add your three lots of points together and whoever's got the least points is the one that wins. Got you. Now, we might be winning section A, which is great. If we're winning it by miles, we can take our foot off the gas a little bit. If we're only winning it by a little bit, and it's a team that I'm worried about that's behind me, mm. because they're doing well in the other two sections, well, I need to, need to really keep the pressure on that yeah. one. In this one, in B section, we might only need a fourth. Right. Because we're doing so well in the other sections that a fourth will be enough. Yeah. But we can't afford to be sixth. Yeah, yeah. So it's a case of, right, section B, slow down yeah. a bit, keep the pace, keep your eye on what everyone's doing, don't yeah. don't knacker yourself, rest yourself and keep a nice bit of yeah. pace. Yeah. And if we finish fourth in this section, that's the best that I can possibly hope for. Yeah. And if we get fourth, then you know what, as long as you don't fall off our horses in the other two, yeah. we're all right. So it's a real chess game. Yeah. From a management point of view, it's not just a case of, right, lads, there you go, crack on and catch fish. It's quite funny, really, the, the, the perception of... The, the England Carp team, what you would perceive to be this enormous organisation behind the lads and huge entourages of people and staff and everything. But actually, most of the time, you do most of the running around, you do driving the buzz, you do taking the kit and all that business. You know, you, you really excel. But so the idea of it going so smoothly, what, you know, most of the time isn't the case. Now, well, look, they're hard. Yeah. It, it, it's hard. Just going, like, take the World Games as a prime example. Yeah. You know, it's in South Africa. Yeah. How'd you get there? <laughs> yeah. How'd you get your kit there? Yeah. What bait are you using? Yeah. Have you fished a venue before? <laughs> yeah. What tactics are you going to use? Yeah. Can you? I've had, I've had any either getting there. Oh, God, we've had loads of mine. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not around the corner, is it? Cool. We had a, well, I'm either getting there. We've had a bit of mither in South Africa getting there. That was that was quite funny. We went there and um, it, it, like we we when we flew in, we flew into Johannesburg, right? And uh, we stayed. What we what we generally do is we we try and rent um, an Airbnb lodge or something like that because yeah. you can imagine there's you know there's anything between eight and twelve of us, depending yeah. on the event. Yeah. So that many people in hotel rooms with all the kit and all the vehicles and and all the kit in vehicles. We like to have our own compound if we can be, so everything's all secure and with us. Yeah. So we've rented this place in South Africa. Of course, I've gone on Airbnb and <laughs> rented a place in South Africa that looked really nice. All right. And then we've got there. Oh. And as we're driving there, following the sat nav, it's like, oh, this looks a bit ripe. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't know whether yeah. this is the sort of place that 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 you know we 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 should be going out. Right. So because obviously you know there's a lot of gun crime in South Africa. Absolutely, there's a lot of carjackings. Yeah. Yeah. You know it's it's quite a hairy place. There's parts of South Africa that are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but there's other parts that aren't as brilliant as they could be. Yeah. Uh, and I've landed ourselves smack bang in the middle of a bit that isn't quite as nice as we thought it, really it was going to be. So there's barbed wire around the walls. Uh, there's yeah. a security guard yeah. on the gate. On the inside. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 No, like genuinely there is. Oh, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. On on the gate where this, this compound was, there's a security guard. Because I've been there lots of times before. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the time there'll be gated areas where there's lots yeah. of houses and there'll be a security yeah. guard on that. But we actually had a security guard on our gate as well. They didn't say that on the Airbnb brochure. But right. yeah. Yeah. So that, that was an interesting one. The yeah. other one that was quite funny was um, 
was going to Hungary when the world champs was over there, which yes. incidentally it's back there yeah. uh, this year. Yeah. But um, it, you know, it's a, it's a long drive to get to Hungary. Anybody that's driven to Euroaqua or Balaton yeah. will know how far it yeah. is. You're looking at 18 hours if you go yeah. in full crack, yeah. or you can break it up. Now. I see my lads on the rod squad as my racehorses, yeah. effectively. So they, in the run-up, need to do as little as possible. They need to be rested yeah. because I might need them to be up for 48 or even 72 hours without any sleep or very limited sleep patterns. So like training for any event, it's a physical event. What we need them to do is rest as much as possible in the week run-up. So the last thing I want them to be doing is sitting in a car and driving 18 hours if we can help it. I'd rather fly them in and then they just drive the last yeah. hour. But that means there's a van load of kit that needs to get them. <laughs> Well, we haven't got any money to pay anybody to do it. So yeah. <laughs> guess who the driver is? Right. So me and me and a lad called Terry went out there last time and Carl Pitcher in particular is is the worst packer in the world. Because <laughs> we've told everybody what they need to take. So yeah. it's like, right, this is the kit list, this is exactly what you need. We'll sort the bait out. And we're loading all the bait and everything in, thinking, Oh, this is a bit this is a bit closer than it should be to the axle. Uh, right. And obviously I'm not gonna commit to, to admitting to anything at all but let's say I'm not aware of what the weight limit was yeah. but I dare say that we were very very close to it, <laughs> if not just to sniff over it right so um, the steering was a little bit light and the headlines were pointing to, <laughs> to, to, to the moon as we're driving down the road Carl Pitcher's turned up there's one of his bags that weighs 80 pounds that's just one of his bags so you can imagine if he's got four bags yeah that's the thick end of three or four hundred pound yeah now I've got ten blokes and right. all their kit to get there, plus all the admin and support stuff, plus all the cooking kit, plus all the other bits and bobs. We've limped through France into Germany, and the German police are a bit, they're, they're very, very tight on stuff, but yeah. we've managed to get through Germany. Yeah. And we've got to Hungary, and literally, we just crossed the border into Hungary, and the police have just gone, <laughs> like, oh, here we go. Yeah. So they've taken one look at the van and just gone, no, I don't think so. <laughs> so we're like, what yeah <laughs> we don't speak hungarian we don't yeah. know what you mean yeah. it's like you're overweight no never. Yeah. Never, not in a million years yeah. never in a million years are we overweight yeah. anyway we might have been by a kilo or three yeah uh but long and short of it is that i've i've pleaded with him to say please you know we're, we're going straight through we're going to serbia we're going fishing we're not coming back in it's not commercial blah 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 unfortunately he's let us go so it could have been that england didn't compete no there. way because literally it's like no, can't right. have your kit. So, and actually, in a subsequent trip to um, Euroaqua, when right. Terry went, so it's the same route yeah, course, to get to yeah. Euroaqua, um, they got the stuff impounded for being overweight in Germany. So, and literally, it was a case of you can't go any further, you need to offload all of this. And they took two pallets of bait off and kept it in Germany. So, we had <laughs> to drive all the way to Euroaqua with the kit yeah. and then turn around and go back and collect the bait and then go back with it again. So, but you can imagine, yeah. you know, this, and this is, this is some of the things that they don't see. And unfortunately, yeah. it's one of the less professional sides of, of the England structure that we're all left to our own devices because there isn't, yeah. you know, there isn't any funding to be able to do this. No. It's, and I'm not grumbling about that. It is what it is. Yeah. But we've got a situation where we've just got to get on with it and do the best that we can. Yeah. So like when we went to Spain, four, uh, three out of the four vans broke down on the way back. <laughs> One of them had to be towed onto and off the boat. Brilliant. Uh, so just because they got battered in the, you know, in the, in the, yeah. but the, like we were all driving knackered old vans. So that's what you don't vans. see, yeah. Yeah. So oh, there's, there's so much of that goes on behind the scenes. That's but, brilliant. Yeah. How do you, because you've been in, you know, 
the public eye as, as an angler for such a long time now, decades. I'm not, I'm not going to say how many decades because well it's say yeah. But uh, I mean, do you find that you get recognised? Like, because it's quite funny, whatever I seem to be with you, somebody, and it doesn't matter where we are, always knows you. Yeah. It, do, 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 you still, do you still get that? All the time. My kids call it stranger danger. Yeah. You know, it's, it's lovely because it shows how many, you know, how many people are out there. So I'll always yeah. give the time of day to anybody that stops by. You know, yeah. it's, I, I sort of, I sort of like it, although it can be a bit of an invasion sometimes. I remember being in, um, I was on holiday with Grand Canary, with the family in Grand Canaria yeah. and we've gone out in the evening and, you know, <laughs> typical family. I've got two kids. Yeah. We, we, we like a game of pool in the evening. So yeah. we're all playing pool. Time to go. Uh, and and little one Jack, who now isn't little anymore, yeah. he's six foot two, besides thirteen feet. But yeah. he's thrown the tantrum, doesn't want to go. Um, <laughs> wife's saying, "Look, you've got to come." Then suddenly there's a row, so we're all having a right thing. <laughs> Get her up! I want to go home. No, we're not going yeah, home. Yeah. So it's all going off, and there's a gang of lads that are just watching all the action. Yeah. Anyway, I've managed to calm everyone down. And go right. Dad's putting the foot down. We're all going home now. Yeah. That's it. I've had enough. We've all out. And just as I'm walking out, one bloke's gone, thought it was you, mate. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> We're going boat fishing tomorrow. We're here on a stag day. Any chance for a photo? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. I just had a big domestic you know, bust just, up with the whole family. Steam coming out your so, ears. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, but it, yeah, it's it, it's great. There's been some there's been some good ones. There's some ba been some bad ones. Bristol Airport. Um, you know what airport queues like recently? Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't have said the airport. An airport. Not Bristol, <laughs> just in case anybody from Bristol Airport was listening to this. But I'm 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 in the queue, and you know when you get to the airport and you you, you just think, oh, I just want to get through the airport. Yeah. And uh, a a bloke's looked over. He's gone. Yeah, Rob. And he's just lifted it, no and he didn't way. say anything at all. It was just go through that. Oh, thanks ever so much for that. That you know that's oh you crafty that's yet. lovely. That's so really that was, that was a lovely one. But every now and again, it's the other way around. As you proper so, have you ever seen, have you done it? When he's like you proper got you out the you know. Oh yes! Oh, oh God. no way! Has he really? I was joking. No. I was joking. Oh God! Yeah, what you well, say now? You're listening to the Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro, the ultimate angling experience. Well, there's there's one there's one that springs to mind. Um, we used to like doing a bit of pioneering. Uh, you right, know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. something I'd love to get back into. But yeah. we used to like to do a bit of pioneering, and this is back in the venture days. So, so it would be 2016. So. Yeah. Um, Bosnia, nobody went to Bosnia back then. No. You know, there'd, there'd been a war yeah. uh, in in the early mid nineties. There, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't some, um, it wasn't the friendliest of places. Let's say, uh, so me, Crowy, and a guy called Rennie Hawkins are scouting out venues, and we've gone to Croatia. We're driving around Croatia looking at venues because we knew about Shumbal. We were looking at a few others. We'd heard about a lake that got some really big fish, and we thought, you know what, we'll go over. I think Crowey was doing a tackle shop opening in in a, in a shop in Zagreb, yeah. Uh, and we we went over there as well. Had a quick look at Shumbar and then disappeared off to look at some other ones. We thought, let's go and have a look and see if we can see Bosnia because there's bound to be a lake there. Mm. And we saw a lake, and I'm not going to name it cause since we found out that it's got some big fishing, and it will at some stage in in the not too distant future, whenever that is, in in a year, two years, or whatever, it'll become a real cult lake. But, no way. But I haven't had a chance to go there yet, so I'm not telling anybody right. what it is. But it's it's a really, really interesting lake. And um, we thought we want to go over and have a look at this place. So we've tried to get in. Now, the three of us, uh, you know, Crowy and Rennie have both got skinheads. We're wearing camo kit. We're in a <laughs> four by four. We've driven up the, the hills 
to this little, you know, literally there's there's a couple of border guards with guns and uh, the, the old Barry's there. So they stopped us. It's like passports, papers, where are you going? What yeah. are you doing? Clearly not very happy. So we said, oh, we just want to go and have a look. Yeah. We're like, what do you want to look at? It's like, <laughs> we want to go and have a look at some lakes. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, of course you do. Your S4, which is security forces. So it's like, no, 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 no. We're just, we're just fishermen. We just want to go angling and just have a look at some lakes. They're like, no, go. So they wouldn't let us across the border. We're like, well, there's the passport, you know, and it's almost, right. this is a British passport, my man. Don't you know we can go anywhere with this? Yeah. As in the olden days, you yeah. can't now, of course. But no. So they wouldn't let us in because they thought we were going into either spy or, or do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've turned us round. And we're like, bugger, really wanted to see that lake. What should we do? So we got the old map out because, again, it was paper map yeah. rather than digital map then. So we yeah. got the map out. It's like, there's another mountain crossing a little bit further down. Let's try that one instead. So we thought we'll have a go at that. So we've gone round there, driven up, gone in there. Can we come across the border? <laughs> and they've looked. And obviously what we hadn't twigged is the message has gone Oh, he's up. crashed you up. He's, he's yeah. proper crashed you up. Yeah, so yeah. they've said there's, there's, there's three suspicious looking blokes trying to pass uh, uh, through the border, no. telling everybody they're going fishing. Just keep an eye out. Of course, we've gone straight into the next one and they've gone, come here. So they've impounded us straight away. Oh. It's like, what's happening? You must wait. Well, can we go through? No. Can we go? No. It's like... <laughs> what's happening now then <laughs> anyway long and short of it was they were looking at arresting us for trying to go through the border to do something that yeah, you yeah, know yeah. we just wanted to go fishing go and have yeah. a look at the lake anyway we got a couple of fishing magazines other bits and bobs with us there and we we found out because they could speak a bit of English we found out <laughs> <laughs> you can picture it we're just thinking what that's going on here yeah. uh, the colonel is coming so the colonel's had to come to find out exactly what's going on. So they've called the chief. Yeah. The old chief's turned up and he's gone, he's got out the car and it's like, <laughs> oh God, we're in trouble now. And he's gone, ah, Hope you, Simon Crow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he ah, fisherman. Yeah. Like, <laughs> genuinely. Really? Absolutely genuinely. Absolutely no genuinely. Way. So he ended up. Oh, like a border patrol in uh, Bosnia. The chief of border patrol in Bosnia was a car pangler. How cool is that? So. It's a good we, job, really. Yeah, it is a good job because we might not <laughs> yeah. be in there. So he's no he's rocked up and we've ended up signing a copy of the paper for him, having a couple of photographs with him. Three no go, boys. Way. No problem That's at all. brilliant. So, yeah, so there's times where it's good and there's times where it's not so good. But genuinely, that is a true story. I don't no, know if I've told that one before. I think Crowey might have told it in his book. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, moving on to something completely different because we can digress all day to yeah. <laughs> talk about these. Um, something that you are more known for than anybody else in this industry um diving yes so what what got you into that because we had a conversation the other day and i said save it save it we'll we'll, we'll talk about this because i don't want to know i want to find out at the same time as Wait, which else. one was that we've had loads yeah. of conversations <laughs> yeah. there yeah is um we'll talk let's talk about diving and how you got into diving but yeah. you were talking about you're doing a lot of work research wise about sound underwater I, I just think sound in particular is 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 one of these things that we haven't capitalized on yet yeah because we don't realize how important it is or or how it works we all know about chucking a spam in and there's going to be people watching oh no that i've been doing it for ages i'm talking a bit deeper than that you know how quickly carp react to sound how quickly you can train carp reacting to sound. Yeah. I, I've, I've thought it for a while. We've actually won European Championship events using sound. Right. So I'll come back to that in a minute. Right. But um, the, 
fish are very, very aware of their surroundings underwater, really aware of their surroundings. Yeah. You know, when I go underwater, I can hear what they hear. They've got ears, they can hear stuff. Yeah. Sound travels quite well underwater as well. It can bounce off weed, it can bounce off stone, but generally it's quite all encompassing. So if something happens a reasonable way away, the fish will hear it. So you can use sound to your advantage. Now, if you think about law fishing, people use rattlers in their laws yeah, yeah, yeah. and they'll get extra yeah. bites on pike. We know that when we spawn, it's like ringing the dinner bell. It's very well known. But when that spawn hits the, the, the surface, those fish know that food's coming. Yeah. Thorpley used to be a prime example of it. And you can see the fish. There'll be a shoulder fish moving. One spawn lands, the fish stop in the tracks. The second one lands, they turn. By the time you put the third one out there, they're actually on the bait. Yeah. Anywhere the fish are, are conditioned to, to the spawn feeding them as opposed to being caught by it, yeah. they'll move to it straight away. You know, I've seen, like genuinely, I've seen a fish eating a pellet, one pellet, and we've done a tank test on this with a guy called Tony Campbell, fish farmer. This is where we've been doing some of the tests. Yeah. You put one pellet in, the fish will crunch it, and literally all the other fish will suddenly move. You can see there's an awareness. Now, these are well, conditioned they, they, fish. They, they hear, they hear they, one pellet they, being crunched. crunched. Yeah, yeah, no, right, absolutely. Right. No no question about it, 100%. You know, I am absolutely convinced on it. Yeah. There are certain baits that you can feed fish that when they get used to those baits, other fish will associate that with food. So, you know... Do you think that's like for the thing, same thing for like tiger nuts and casters and stuff like that? I, I, I think when they're conditioned to it, yes, it could be. But there's, there's two things when a fish crunches a bait, particularly if it's got liquid or high oil in it. Yeah. Obviously, it crunches it in its throat teeth because the teeth are in the throat. There's a noise of it breaking, but then particles and oil come out. Yeah. So the fish is actually spreading the bait through its gills yeah. a lot of the time. So that's yeah. given an olfactory sense for those yeah. carp as well. Yeah. But... You know, when, when you look at sound, there's more than just feeding. There's communication between sound as well. Yeah. You know, I, I've, I remember seeing a program by David Attenborough just about fish communication and how they communicate with each other. You know, rabbits are prime examples. They don't necessarily speak to each other, but they'll communicate with body language, with the tail, with the thump of the foot, things yeah. like that. Carp sort of do the same with body movements. You can see when a fish is relaxed or when it's not relaxed. You can see when it's asleep or when it's not yeah. asleep. Yeah. You know, there's, there's loads of ways that they communicate with body language. But it was really interesting that there was this program on, and I, I can't remember exactly what fish it was, but a marina had been built and there were boats coming over the top of where these fish used to live. And suddenly those fish moved. They weren't there anymore. And everyone was thinking it's the disturbance from the boats that's causing the fish not to be there. Yeah. But then somebody checked it acoustically and it wasn't the disturbance, the visual disturbance of the boats or the movement of the water. What it actually was, was those fish had got a communication system with each other to warn each other of danger. And the noise of the motors going over the top of it meant they couldn't hear each other. And because they couldn't hear each other, they moved. That's unbelievable. So, you know, that really got me thinking. And you might think, oh, you know, that doesn't really apply, blah, blah, blah. Anything that we can do. Yeah. To give help that, us give you that fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and this is why I'm so interested in these tiny little things that aren't explored. Yeah. Because if I can get 1% or maybe find an edge and get 10%, yeah. then that gives me a huge advantage when I'm either going forward in competition. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you a situation of this where it has absolutely worked and it's dead simple. We were in the, I think it was the 2016 or 2017 European Championship event in France. Mm. Um, I fish in the Euros. I don't fish in the Worlds. Normally, they'll use Euros as a practice event or a multi-nation event as a practice event for the World Championship. So I'll always fish in that. 
so I can understand what the lake's like because it's very difficult for me to direct people if I've never fished the lake or haven't, haven't understood what it's like. Mm. So we've got there. It's springtime. Bart has started fishing. I'm partnered up with Bart. So I'm going out seeing everybody else, getting everything organised. He's gone to kick off. I've got into the peg and Billy and Jamie have already caught a couple of fish and they're catching in eight feet of water. Mm. So... In springtime for me, it's not all, it's not about distance, it's about depth. Where yeah. are those fish comfortable yeah. at depth? So we know that eight feet is a good depth. So Bart's fishing 150 million wraps out because that's where he likes to fish as far yeah, as he possibly yeah. can. And it's 20-something feet deep. Well, you're not going to catch on the deck in 20 foot deep that far out. So yeah. we need to find something shallower or smack a zig on. So if we're smacking a zig on to find the midwater, we need to find out what the majority of the type of fish are that are in that lake. Mm. And it turned out that the fish had been stocked fairly recently. And they do this a lot of the time with World Championships. They'll stock new fish in there between three and five kilos right. because they want to boost the numbers of fish for the competition. Yeah. Now, where do you get a three to five kilo fish from? Fish farm. Mm. You're not getting them from natural lakes. You're getting them from fish farm. What are fish farm fish fed on? Pellets. Mm. Exactly. How do they feed pellet? Hoof it in. Yeah. When they hoof it in, what happens? They all come to it. There's a noise. Yeah, of that, course. They yeah, come yeah, to yeah, it yeah, because yeah. there's a noise. Yeah. That's why they come to it. So everybody's really struggling to catch fish, bar this one corner where there was quite a lot of fish in eight foot. And everyone else in a line, like when you're in a line, there's always a temptation to go long. And I just thought, hang on a second, let's think sensibly about this. We know the fish are comfortable at eight feet deep. We know there's a lot of three to five kilo fish in here. We know they've been recently introduced. If they've been recently introduced, they're going to be used to shallow fish, uh, shallow water. Yeah. They're going to be used to being fed on pellet and they're going to be used to noise. So I said, all right, I'm trying something. And Bart's gone, what? I said, where's eight foot? He said, we haven't got eight foot. I said, well, we must have eight foot. He said, there's no eight foot in this peg. Said, well, there must be eight foot because if if the bank is here and it's no feet deep there and you're fishing out there and it's 20 feet deep, there must be eight foot somewhere between it. Anyway, it was a rod length and a half out. So he's gone, we can't fish there because everybody else, obviously, we're in a yeah, great yeah, good yeah, line. Yeah. Everyone else is fishing far out. And I said, that's exactly where we're going to fish. He's like, I come here to fish 120 yards, isn't it? Come here to yeah, fish yeah, yeah, yeah. 1.2 yards. So, well, I'm having two on that. So I've chucked PVA bag out and I'm pinging pellets. Literally, spray a catty pouch every minute, just half a dozen pellets. Lo and behold, after about half an hour, fish has rolled over the top of it. No way. Within another 20 minutes, half an hour, bang, off it's gone and it was a three to five kilo stocky. Perfect. Let's keep checking it. Bart, bring one of yours in, stick it down the right-hand side, do the same thing. I've had another fish. He's had one. He's had another one. Suddenly, we've gone from nowhere in section to challenging in section. I've sent up a message to Tom Maker mm. and Chris Holmes, who are fishing further up, mm. and said, right, this is what we need to do. Where are you fishing? What have you got? What depth have you got? Bring it back in. Fish in the margins, ping pellets. I thought you were having a laugh, didn't they? And, 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 yeah, and Tom's gone, you're having a laugh. Actually. You're having <laughs> yeah, a laugh. Yeah. I've still got the text messages, actually, no and, and there's one thing that he, he yeah. did say. So... He said, I've got eight foot. I'm happy where I am. So I said, no, I needed fish in the margins and ping pellets over the top of it. Yeah. And he sent a message back. Oh, there's a conversation like, no, all right, mate, whatever. And I thought, I'm going up to check. So I've gone up and the rods are still out long. It's like, it needs to come in. I've yeah. given the team instruction. You need to come in. Yeah. So I said, bones down that side. Tom, eight foot deep in the edge. You're pinging pellets over the top of it. Bonesy, keep pinging pellets. So he's like, okay. Tom Makers looked at it. He's going, what do you want me to do? Shit a miracle. You know, and he's 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 got a bit grumpy because Tom's obviously a phenomenally good angler. Yeah. He's put his baited plot out a long range, but they just went out there. The depth yeah. was wrong. They just went there. Yeah. 
This is the way that we get them in. There were too much disturbance, but these fish are conditioned to hearing this noise. So we're pinging pellets. Anyway, 20 minutes, half an hour later, ding, my phone's gone. Tom, I've only just shit your first miracle. No way. And he caught one. And they went from being last in section to first in section. And me and Bart flew up our section. We didn't win it, but we flew up our section as well. Billy and Jamie won their section. They win it or second? Second in their section. As a result, we won the European Championship. And that was purely on the basis of pinging those pellets. If we hadn't done that, we wouldn't have won it. And that was down to sound and conditioning yeah. of those fish. Yeah. And this is why, like putting this into practical fishing situations. Yeah. If, when you're fishing your lake, if you go to the same lake regularly, you can see what the patterns are. Yeah. Because all my job is, as manager, is pattern spotter. Yeah. You know, I want to spot the patterns as to how fish are coming in. Yeah. How they're not coming in. When are they feeding? Yeah. You know, it, it, the, the, the World Championship management game is a frightening one because you get so much information coming at me all the time. I've got a spotter in each section and I've got someone on our peg recording and writing what we're doing. But I've also got someone looking at what everyone else is doing because what I want to do is when the next scorecard comes out and I see Lithuania have gone from ninth to fourth, I want to know why. Yeah, exactly. What have they done? They've clearly done something. Yeah. Fish just haven't moved in. Something's happened. Yeah. Now, it's no good me going, oh, they're up to fourth. I want to know why they're up to fourth. So I look back through my notes and I find that six hours ago, they spotted hemp. Yeah. So suddenly you think, right, okay, if our game plan's not going, yeah. or alternatively we need to adjust actually a little bit, then we can see where the other movers and shakers are, get that information in, yeah. and we can start spotting some hemp and see if it makes a difference to ours. It's not yeah. going to change our game plan completely, yeah. but what it will do is it will add something to it. So this information yeah. is constantly coming in. You can imagine I'm just getting report yeah. after report after report. Yeah. Graham, bless him, Graham may be my assistant manager, is making as many notes as he can do. We'll have a team brief about what's happened, where, when, how, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And it just all goes in yeah. and gets assimilated into patterns. So for, for, from from the diving side of it, though, is that because you enjoy that, because you see a different perspective of what everybody else can see? Uh, I think, yes, yeah. is the is the short yeah. answer to that yes yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know I, I love the natural world I've always been a swimmer I've yeah. always absolutely loved swimming as a kid I always used to go yeah. snorkeling yeah. you know lifting up stones and having a look what was underneath and it was yeah. great to see that yeah. and the diving journey is really interesting because when you start it the first thing you do is you look around and your eyes get big and you go wow look at that yeah. that weed's a lot bigger than I thought it was or, yeah. or oh look there's a fish over there yeah. and then once you've seen the environment you then narrow down on your rig yeah. or your spot and then you look at how your rig behaves mm. and then you look at how a minor change will make that rig so much better. Yeah. yeah. And and one of the things that I absolutely live by is the biggest problem is we don't know what the problem is, <laughs> yeah. which is a very simple yeah, thing to yeah, say. Yeah. But, you know, two plus two is a piece of cake. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. X plus two. Yeah. It's wrong. Yeah. Impossible. Yeah. What's X? Yeah. As soon as you know X. Yeah. 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 Then actually you've got a fighting chance. Quite. So let's work out what the problem is. And as soon as we know what the problem is, it's much easier to solve that problem. Yeah. And the ability to be able to see underwater <clears throat> and put all these different experiences together yeah. actually adds an awful lot to yeah. how we can solve those problems. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've been in pegs before now uh, where I've cast out and felt the lead down and I've just thought, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you chuck it back out again and half a dozen times you get the same drop and I just think I'm knackered. Right. Because I know what it's like. It's going to be that candy flossy weed yeah. on the deck. You know, and I know people say, oh, yeah, they eat weed. You know what? They prefer to eat boily. <laughs> yeah, they might right, yeah. they might eat weed, but yeah. I'm not putting weed out. Yeah, that's I'm right. I'm putting boily or pellet or, or, or PVA bag or <laughs> yeah. foam. 
yeah. or whatever else. Yeah. Because if they do prefer to eat weed, yeah, there's probably nine acres of it. Yeah. And I'm putting out the same weed. Yeah. Exactly. That much in nine acres? No, yeah. mate, that's not for me. No. And and the one thing I will guarantee is that they might eat that weed, but when they're trying to eat it, they'll move it. And when they move it, they'll roll your hook bait and hook into Quite. it, and then they'll yeah. dump it in the edge, and then you, it's game over for you. Yeah. So there's certain types of weed that I will avoid like the plague. Other people might fish over them. The way I fish over it is you stick a zig so it's not anywhere near it. Right, that's okay. The best way. You prefer to do that? If it, that silkweed, you know, that that, yeah. that horrible silkweed that, yeah. that moves. Yeah. Because it does move. Swallow your rig, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen carp come in and feed over the top of it. And, and when they feed on it, the movement of the pecs rolls it. Right. So it's like rolling a carpet up. Yeah. And if your bait's in the wrong spot, it gets rolled in the carpet. So there'll be a lovely clear patch and your rig's at the, at the side, just yeah. knackered. Goosed yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. So if you get it out of it, you've got more of a fighting chance in there. Thanks. So. You're listening to The Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro, the ultimate angling experience. Not getting back to the England Cup team, but one of your jobs is to manage the women's England Cup team. Yes. Yeah. Um, women in angling in general is seeing a massive increase, certainly this last sort of 15 years. How? What do you think of that at the moment? Is it moving quick enough for you? Because I know you are a massive advocate, as I am, to get you know, more women into the sport. Yeah. Well, how, how are you thinking it's going? Um, I, I think it's going pretty well at the moment, actually. There's there's a number of benefits to it, which yeah. is is boosting the bigger benefit. And the bigger benefit is that angling is having a great benefit from more people coming in and enjoying our sport. Yeah. Um, you know, the the a lot of the time, the traditional route for people going into fishing is they're introduced to it by somebody. Yes. And, you know, as lads, a lot of the time, we're introduced by dads, granddads, mm. or mates, Girls generally don't get that introduction as much. A lot of the time, the female introduction is going with a partner slightly later on in life. And I'm going fishing. Do you want to come, love? Yeah. So she goes along and then he's either disappeared, gone for a chat, got the loo, whatever. And suddenly there's a bite. She has to deal with it Mm. and she lands it and suddenly thinks, you know what? I quite like that. I'd like to have a go at that. So that, that was traditionally the sort of way that a lot of women and girls got into it. Yeah. Now, I think with the advent of all the work that we've done promoting both Carp Team England as a top-down promotion, but also the likes of Bev Clifford with the Ladies Carp Academy, just raising the awareness of females in fishing. There's a lot more girls coming to fishing because they want to try fishing. And, you know, on on a serious note, let's face it, fishing is absolutely the most all-inclusive sport in the world. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because it doesn't judge. The fish don't judge. There's no physical judge. Yeah. There's no race judge. There's no sex judge. Yeah. There is loads of abilities or, or loads of facilities, should I say, for people with different abilities to go. Yeah. So, you know, there are plenty of venues, canals. You don't have mm. to walk far. There's loads of places with platforms yeah. that if you have accessibility issues, you can fish as well. So yeah. it is so inclusive. Yeah. Already, you know, it's it's an inclusive packaged yeah. sport ready what we need to do is we just need to introduce it to the people Abs- that yeah, might absolutely. want to come and see it. Yeah. And and I've got to say that of all the people that we have introduced it to, everybody loves it. Yeah, quite. Brilliant. No. So yeah. uh, to answer your question, is it moving quick enough? I I, th- I think it will. it's moving at its natural pace. Yes. You know, there's no barriers. No. So would it be great to get 10 million women anglers doing it tomorrow? It would be lovely to do mm. that. Do 10 million women anglers want to start fishing <laughs> tomorrow? You know, it's up to them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there, there, there seems to be a drive a lot of the time with, with either corporations or, or, or governing bodies almost to try and force a something on a certain group Yeah, because they feel that it's the right thing to do. Angling is so inclusive 
that we just welcome everybody with open arms. Long, yeah. long may that reign as well. Yeah. Absolutely long may that reign. Yeah, no, too right. Um, social media, it plays not a big part of fishing these days, but it's a big part yeah. of everybody's life, it would seem. Um, what, what do you feel about social media and fishing? It's the angel and the devil. Quite. In, in equal guise. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, the, I, I think, you know, there, there always seems to be a row on social media, which yeah. is, is such a shame. Yeah. Uh, someone's always got to have an opinion yeah. on social media, whatever their opinion is. You, sometimes you don't necessarily need to express your opinion. You, you can keep your opinion to yourself. That's um, right, yeah. I've caught a fish. It's shit. Why is it shit? Yeah. Well, because it is. Great argument, mate. Well done. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't caught a fish. Well, you're shit. Yeah. Well, hang on a second. You know, what? what's the idea of social media? I think talking about the angel and the devil, social media is, is great for getting the word out, building communities, yeah, spreading good news. But with the angel comes the devil that mm. you put yourself out to being criticised if you do something. Yeah. You put yourself out to being criticised if you don't some, do something. There are jealous people that will say nasty things to people mm. about whatever. You know, I've seen kids getting battered for catching a fish but not having an unhooking mat or not holding a fish yeah. in the right way yeah. or you know doing something that actually they didn't know they were doing wrong yeah and and i think people are very very quick to voice an opinion of course and yeah. sometimes you've got to think you know what you've got two ears two eyes and one mouth for a reason yeah. and perhaps if you used your mouth 50 percent less of the time yeah it would be a better place. It's, it's always it's always not very good, you know. Why you think that the reason they're voicing their opinion as well? Actually, is it is it? To use their example about the kid with the onikin mat, yeah. are they, are they voicing that opinion because they actually really genuinely care about that fish's welfare, or are they hoping actually the mates are going to jump on and give them a load of likes on their comment? You know, it, it, it's, I, it, it's it's awful, really. Uh, the 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 way I feel about social media, it's such a wonderful vehicle because it gives everybody, you know, the freedom yeah. to, to to speak. Unfortunately, the worst thing. About about it is it gives everybody the freedom to speak that is the, the, that's the problem you know and uh, yeah. it's just it, it's just appealing to people's better nature sometimes but unfortunately they don't have no i you know we're strange folk aren't we yeah you know we, we are strange folk we're tribal naturally yeah. whether it's the village whether it's shropshire cheshire yeah <laughs> <laughs> whether it whether it's stoke or wolverhampton wanderers wolves yeah. obviously being the best yeah um are you stoke or port vale well, or doesn't it matter? I'm, I'm, well, it doesn't it's, matter it's, really, does it's, it? It's the, it's the, it's the best. <laughs> yeah, Man United, it's awful. Yeah, it's Man United. <laughs> oh, you it? can't yeah. be Man United. You're a northerner. So Man United, you, you live too close to Manchester to be Man United. Well, everybody, time, everybody thinks that. Well, I suppose it's everything above Birmingham's north, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what they think, but, yeah. So, but yeah, you know, we, we're all we're all tribal in different ways. So as a result, um, the type of thing that I do is brilliant, and the type of thing that you do isn't. Yeah. Um, the type of fish that I catch are marvellous and, yeah. and are, are incredibly credible. And, and because I caught it from here, I'm just yeah. the, the best angler in the whole world ever. <laughs> yeah. What, you've caught that? <laughs> you think that's any good? What? Yeah. You're going to have a photo with it. Yeah. You know, it, it, just enjoy your angling. That's right. Yeah. So, that, but the, this is this is the double-edged sword again because, you know, naturally humans like a little bit of praise. We all yeah. do. It's not necessarily egotistical. Yeah. But it's quite nice to, to share a moment. Yeah. And it's quite nice to have somebody appreciate that moment as well. Yeah. And then you get people turning around going, eh, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, I, I it's think, sad, isn't it? Yeah. It's terribly sad, it, really. It is. I think people just, you know, if you if you don't want the heat, don't go in the kitchen. Yeah. And actually, if you're one of the people that give, yeah. the, give the heat, just have a little word with yourself. There, there's yeah. people out there that actually put on their profile, yeah. I am a troll. 
No way, I haven't seen that. I'm brilliant. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, there's yeah. two or three. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think I you've mean, got to look at the positives, haven't you? That the, the majority, the majority of people are are really good people, you know. But it's just it's just awful the fact that you know should you ever see these people, they would never be like that. No, I think it's no. just you know they, they wouldn't like you know I, I I've, I've been very very lucky yeah. that the majority of the time I don't get trolled because yeah. I don't I try not to be too controversial. I've got my opinions on certain things. I don't get trolled very often. Yeah. There's been one or two that have said a few things, but you know what? It, it's it's meaningless. Yeah. If I wouldn't ask you for your advice. Yeah. Why on earth am I going to get worried about your criticism? Yeah. I, I just so as a result, it, it you know yeah. it, it means nothing. And as yeah. as England manager, as someone in the profile, you know, as a sponsored angler, so if you you get your bait for nothing. Yeah. I don't get a chance to go bloody fishing. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I, yes, I've got ten kilo of free bait, yeah. but I can't use it. Yeah. So you know what, what whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, I I think we all just need a bit of a degree of sensibility. I'll tell you where it affects me more. It, it's the fear of missing out. Because when I'm busy, right. like in my heart, I want to do absolutely everything. I love life. There's yes, so many yeah, things yeah. that I want to do. I yeah. want to run up and down a mountain. I want to drive a car very fast. I want to achieve this in work. I want to go fishing. I want to spend time with my family. I want to do everything yeah. now yeah, at the yeah, same yeah. time, but there's only a finite amount of, yeah. of time. Yeah. And as a result, when I see that, that there's a load of fish coming out, yeah. I look at it and go, oh, God, I, I really need to go. Oh, so-and-so, so-and-so's yeah. had this. Or they've had that. Oh God, I should be fishing, and I yeah. feel like I'm missing out. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that I find difficult to deal yeah. with, and you know, and I'm happy for for other people's success. Yeah, but then I'm I'm sort of a little bit sad that I can't go for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah, but equally, it's my own choice. And yeah. and you know, talking about time, people turn around and go, oh, I, I just haven't got the time. I haven't been yeah. able to go. You know what? We've all got exactly the same time. Quite. You haven't got a second more or less yeah. than me. It's yeah. about the priority of what we want to do, isn't it? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And if the priority is running up a mountain, yeah. then that will have time. If the yeah. priority is going to work, then that will be the thing that's at the top yeah. of the list. If the priority is catching a fifty pounder, yeah. then suddenly that will work its way up. So um, that that brings me perfectly onto my last question. That really listening to what you just said there. So what what does the future hold for Rob Hughes though? <sighs> Well, exciting times working with you guys. <laughs> Thank you for that. So, yeah. and, and also, as you yeah, already said, yeah. I'm going to be sitting in that chair for oh, the next yeah, one. So that's going to be yeah. really exciting yeah. too. I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing the podcast. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, that's, that's going to be so exciting because, you know, there's, let's face it, there's some great podcasts out there. There's some great fishing podcasts. Yeah. There's some great other podcasts. Yeah. I'd like to think that going forwards, we're going to have a really nice mix of stuff. Yes. It's not just going to be straightforward angling. No, we're going to no, have no, some no. people in that you might not think yeah. would be a, 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 your first choice of guest, yeah. but they've always got a story to tell. Absolutely. And there will be a fishing link to it. So that's going to be really good. So I'm yeah. looking forward to the podcast. I'm looking forward to all the TV stuff that we've got going on here. Um, it's incredibly exciting working at, at, yeah. at Outlaw Pro because yeah. uh, there is always 50 million things going on, <laughs> <laughs> as you know. Yeah. Um, but from, from a fishing point of view, uh, every every New Year's Eve, yeah. brief story, every New Year's Eve, we sit down and we have a family meeting yeah. and we always write down, not resolutions, because it's always easy to break a resolution or fail on a resolution, but things that we would quite like to achieve. Well, we've That's done brilliant. this for years. That's brilliant. So yeah. 10 things. And yeah. then there's also a subcategory where the other, the rest of the family write down things that they would like you not to do. No way. As well. I love that. So, yeah. I, I think this year I'm, I'm telling family secrets here, but don't pick your toenails in the living room. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's been my kids yeah, got annoyed because yeah. I'm doing that, so I'm not allowed to pick toenails in the living room. Right. And then what we do is we take these these um, things that we've written down, yeah. we stick them in an envelope, 
we put it on a notice board in the kitchen and then the following New Year's Eve we have our family Brilliant. meeting we get it out I love it and have a look at it see what we've wanted to do and I look at it and go why did I want to learn to skip because <laughs> uh, they can be anything yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've had yeah. I've had Everest Kilimanjaro Three Peaks Para Challenge Fan Dance which is the SAS Challenge yeah on the other side I've had Skip Like a Boxer Learn to Ride a Pogo Stick um Guitar and unicycle. Why? What, what use? <laughs> what, unicycle. what use is a unicycle? Brilliant. None at all, but just little challenges. Yeah. But it's such a cool thing to do. Yeah. yeah. So, and, you know, and, and with the family having different ages as well, yeah. different people like different things. Of course. Um, but I always put down, every year, I always put down, one, I would like to break at least two of my PBs for different species. Right. And fortunately, I've already done that this year because obviously, I don't know if I've mentioned I it, even, yeah. I, I had a six-pound perch. No way. You're yeah, really, yeah. yeah, yeah. I had a six-pound perch. Uh, and I also had a PB Zander. So I've done... I've done oh, the, I didn't know about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I had okay. a PB Zander. So yeah. I've, I've done two PBs already this year. Yeah. But I haven't been carp fishing for me for yeah. such a long period of time. I'd love... I've not caught an English 50-pounder yet. No. I've had I've had forty eight pound seven. I've had forty eight pound twelve. I've had forty eight pound fourteen, forty nine two, forty nine four, and forty nine no seven. Way. Yes, but I've not had a fifty. Wow. So okay. I'd love to catch an English fifty pounder. Yeah. I'd like to break my PB, but now we're looking at sort of seventy six pounds. And if I'm going seventy six, might as well go eighty. Yeah. And eighty pounders are a little bit harder to come by. No, it, na it narrows the the field, doesn't it? Somewhat. Yeah. yeah. So it, you yeah. know, it, it's a big ask. Yeah. Uh, an eighty pounder is doable. Yeah. Uh, but it's quite a big ask. But I'd love to catch a a, a PB, uh, a fifty pounder in the UK, um, and I think just to continue enjoying the fishing. You know, that's yeah. the that's the main thing. Yeah. Just to in keep enjoying it because yeah. fishing's a funny thing, isn't it? You know, you go through the the, the wanting to catch certain yeah. big ones, and now. I'm at the stage in my fishing career, I'm so comfortable with it that I just really enjoy going to nice places yep. with decent people that I enjoy fishing with. Obviously, you fish hard at certain times. Other times, the foot's off the gas a little bit and you're enjoying the moment, the atmosphere. Other yeah. times, it can be the venue. But I'm as, as comfortable doing that as I am going out and, and, and targeting. But yeah. I've not targeted either a venue or a fish for, for ages, so I think it's about time to get back in the saddle. Good man. Well, Rob, my friend. Mate, lovely. As always, thank you uh, very much for your time. And uh, that is all from the first Outcast, the first episode. As I say, you, unfortunately, you're not going to see me again, but you will definitely see some more of this man opposite me. Uh, please uh, like and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date with all the stuff from Outlaw Pro and the Outcast and Octopus Productions. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you real soon. Thanks for listening to the Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro, the ultimate angling experience. Remember to follow us on social media for updates and information on future guests. See you next time.